hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Welcome to everybody tonight. If you're a guest, we welcome you to this service tonight. If you are joining us on the internet, we welcome you as a part of this service wherever you may be tonight. I pray that it's a blessing to you. Give honor tonight to our bishop, Mother Wright. Praise God. Praise God. If you're not standing and you're able to do so, if you would do so in honor of the Word of God. I've only got one verse to read here as we begin. Some have asked, perhaps others have wondered, and for weeks now, several weeks at least, probably close to a month, I've been waiting on direction for the beginning of the year. The last several years we've fasted and done some kind of fast. Last year we did our 30 days of focus and we did several things as a part of that and so I've been waiting on direction I feel like that last Sunday night during the Shelton's ministry that the Lord gave me an answer for that what the direction is for the beginning of the year I, I touched on it a little bit New Year's Eve service, I kind of touched on it for just a second in our elders meeting. I, I'm, I'm more and more convinced the calendar doesn't mean a whole lot to God as much as it does to us. And I am saddened, as I'm sure some of you are, that nothing magical happens when I go to bed, whether it's New Year's Eve or if it's after midnight on the first, nothing magical happens. When I get up in the morning, the same problems I went to bed with are still there. The issues, I doesn't change. I do acknowledge, I do think there is something for us that's psychological about a new year. We kind of view it as a fresh start, a new beginning. I think there can be some positives to that, although most New Year's resolutions don't last. The uh, gym fitness center parking lots will be packed for the next couple of weeks. By the end of January, the same people that were coming in December will be the ones still coming. Everybody else who tried to make some big New Year's resolution will be done and finished but I do think there is something about the new beginning the fresh start and so I do have one just one verse I want to start with and I will grant it uh, I, I will acknowledge if you read this verse and all the basically all the most of the other translations it says this verse in a very negative way I don't think it's intended to necessarily be negative in the right context um, but I, I will acknowledge that just in case you decide to go home tonight and read it in other translations and and uh, then have an issue with me. I will tell you up front that, again, every, basically the, the, all of the translations I would typically read or share when preaching all say this verse in a negative way. There's a couple of them that I don't normally use that are less commonly known that say it in a positive light, but again in the right context and I think we can use it that way tonight this 
this verse, this simple verse, is what I felt the Lord quicken to my spirit last Sunday night as, as Brother Shelton was preaching. And it's Proverbs 18 and 1. Proverbs 18 and 1. And it simply says this. Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. I believe, first of all, that it's... There are examples in the Word of God. The Scripture says in the book of Joel, the Lord spoke and said, Sanctify yourselves. Call a, call a fast. Call a solemn assembly. There are other places in Scripture where there are, there are group combined fasts and prayer that is called. We have done that throughout the history of this church, and I am pretty certain we will do that again in the future. But I believe there is a call going out that God is looking for individuals that without some kind of collective corporate organized scheduled event you will through desire separate yourself not based on what everybody else is doing but based on the hunger and passion. So I want to preach to you for a few minutes tonight this subject, very simple. Separate yourself. Separate yourself. Father, I thank you for your presence, your spirit that is in this place tonight. Thank you again, God, for the privilege of being able to come together and to worship you, to exalt and lift up the name that is above every name. Thank you, Father, for the touch of your spirit tonight. I believe that as we have prayed, you have touched and you have healed and you have delivered. And I thank you for that. Now, God, I pray that you would speak to us, that your spirit would speak to our hearts tonight, God. It may not be every individual in this place, but I pray that scattered at least throughout this sanctuary would be some hearts that are hungry and open to hear what you would desire to say to them, to us, that your word could find good ground, Lord, that the seed of your word would be sown tonight and not just produce temporary, momentary results, but lasting results. I trust you for your anointing tonight, God. I depend upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated like to give you the definition of a couple of the words in this verse, not that they're anything all that profound. But the word separate, he says through desire, through desire, through hunger, if you will, through passion. A man, and the word man there is not necessarily, it's not speaking gender-wise of men only, but human, a human a man or a woman, having separated himself. The word separate means to divide. It means to make a division, to make a separation. It means to make a choice on your own to set yourself apart. 
I think we are challenged more than ever in 2014 to find the comfort level of the crowd, to find the status quo as Christians. I'm not talking about the world tonight. I'm talking about the church. Let's find a, let's find a level of convenience or let's find what the minimum requirements are. Preacher, tell me what I have to do. Is that a salvation issue is the question we often ask. Is that a salvation issue? Because if it's not a salvation issue, I'm not really interested in doing more than is necessary. I, I want to get to heaven. I want to be saved, but I, I want to get there with as cheap of a price as possible. Oh, and it's not just the rest of the religious world that that's the case. We as apostolics are now battling the spirit of the age and the enemy has creeped in and that's why many of us sit tonight and question things that we used to believe and we're now wondering, are they necessary? Do we really have to do that? Well, can I tell you, there are some things, it may be sin, it may not be sin, but Hebrews tells us there are other things that are simply weights. You prove the level of your spiritual maturity by the question you ask. If you're only worried about whether it's a sin, you prove immaturity. The mature Christian is not really worried about what's sin and what's not sin. The mature Christian has moved beyond and wants to know what is a weight. You see, the Bible establishes things that are sin, and if it's sin, it's sin. I don't know, maybe there is in a context I, off the top of my head, I, I, it's not coming to mind. I don't know of anything that's a sin for you that's not a sin for me. If it's a sin, it's a sin. Doesn't matter whether you're male, female, what, what, what uh, nationality you are, what, how much money you make, how smart you are. If it's a sin, it's a sin. Doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. If it's a sin, it's a sin. But a weight is not the same thing as a sin. Because what is a weight to me may not be a weight to you. I touched on this a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but I'm back on it again tonight. What may be a weight to you may not be a weight to me. The things that may drag you down may not drag me down. And our problem is when we start looking at each other and start measuring weights by each other. Because if all I do is compare my weights to your weights, I'm not going to reach the level of commitment and dedication that I need if I'm just looking at what you do and determining what I do by what you do. So he said, lay aside the weight and the sin, which doth so easily beset us, to separate ourselves. I'm not here tonight to preach to those that are simply wanting to know what's sin, what's not sin. But I believe 
that there is a call that the Holy Ghost has sent me to say, to share here tonight, to find some folks that are hungry, that are not satisfied with status quo, that are not satisfied with just finding a place where the rest of the crowd is and becoming comfortable because we're all in this same place, but some people that have a hunger and a desire that are going to make up their minds. I'm going to separate myself, not because I'm better, not because I think there's something better about me than somebody else, but there is just a hunger and a desire inside of me that recognizes I will never get to where I want to go if all I do is measure myself by what everybody else is doing. He says that a man through desire separates himself. He seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. The word seeketh means to search out by any method, specifically in worship or prayer. To search out by any method, specifically in worship or prayer. By implication, it means to strive after. Back to the word separate. I, I, I guess I somehow left it out of my notes. One of the, one of the definitions I found for the word separate means to depopulate. To depopulate. Meaning, if I'm going to separate myself, there's got to be some times when I get, a, I get away from everybody else. I get away from the crowd. I, it, it's, it's got to be more than a called prayer meeting. It's got to be more than pre-service prayer. It's got to be more than worship that is led by a worship leader or a pastor or somebody else. There's got to be a time where I get alone all by myself and I've got my own worship and I've got my own prayer and I'm expressing my own hunger and my own passion and my own desire. I'm confident tonight that if I, if I got up here and said, starting tomorrow, or if I gave you a date within the next couple of weeks, that we're going to go on a seven-day fast, or God forbid we do this one again, probably will at some point, who knows, but God forbid we call another Daniel fast. I know there's a bunch of you that, would, that you, you would do it. No doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind that a large number of you would respond to whatever the corporate call was to prayer, to fast. But my question to you tonight is, at this point, I don't feel to. So there will not be a corporate fast in the next couple of weeks or months. There will not be a bunch of organized prayer meetings and dedicated times of prayer. So can I ask you tonight how many of you are going to find some fasting in your schedule? How many of you are going to find some prayer time in your schedule? How many of you're going to find a place that nobody, how many of you are going to do your own Facebook, Instagram fast? How many of you are going to do your own media fast, your own video game fast? I, I know, again, I know if I called it tonight, if I asked for it in a heartbeat, Brother Trombley, there'd be people that commit. But I feel like the Holy Ghost is asking Antioch at the beginning of 2015, are there any ones that are willing through desire to separate yourself, not to wait for what somebody else is doing, not to wait to be in a group of people that are doing it, but there is a hunger in there is a passion inside of you that says, I will do what I need to do. 
Adam Clark says this with regards to this verse. The nearest translation to the words is perhaps the, fo- perhaps the following. He who is separated shall seek the desired thing, the object of his desire, and shall intermeddle and mingle himself with all realities or essential knowledge. I know that's a little bit wordy, but if you'll bear with me, I want to read that again. He who is separated shall seek the desired thing, the object of his desire. Meaning if you just stay in the crowd, there's a chance you're not going to seek the desired thing. Shelton touched on it last Sunday night, but I I think that's part of the reason why we can come to church and in the midst of a church service, there's really only a percentage of us that are genuinely, truly worshiping and praising God and there's always another percentage that that may be given a little bit and some may not be giving anything because in the crowd it's hard to distinguish who's hungry and who's not. In the crowd, it's hard to figure out who's got hunger and passion and who's just there finding what is common. But when somebody shows up in the crowd and there is a hunger and a passion and a desire, they end up separating themselves from the crowd even though they are in the crowd. The woman with the issue of blood was in the midst of a crowd that day, simply curiosity seekers, but something with inside of her, a desire and a passion said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I don't know what everybody else is doing here, I don't know why everybody else is in this crowd, but I've got a need, and if I can just connect with him, I will be made whole. Blind Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road as the crowd passes by and he begins to cry out because he had a need and he knew Jesus was passing by and could meet that need in the crowd. You see, the problem is the crowd doesn't want anybody to go beyond them. It's okay if everybody claps a little bit and raises their hands a little bit because most of us do that. It's even okay if somebody dances a little bit, but don't go too far beyond that because when you go beyond that, I have to face the fact that I have just settled in to the status quo and I have just found a place of comfort and convenience. So as long as we do the same thing pretty much, you don't want anybody to break out of the mold. When somebody breaks out of the mold, we have to acknowledge I'm not as serious about the things that I said I'm hungry for or desire. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Shh, you gotta be quiet. Shh, you gotta be quiet. Quiet down. Don't, don't trouble him. Isn't that an interest? Don't trouble him. Don't trouble him. But the Bible says he cried out the more. And he got God's attention because there was a hunger and there was a passion inside of him that recognized, I need something and this is my moment. He finds that he can make little progress in the investigation of divine and natural things if he have much to do with secular or trifling matters. 
means you, you, there's only so far you can go. There's only so much of God you can experience and taste when you are entangled and wrapped up with the cares of this life and the things of this world. If he have much to do with secular, he therefore separates himself as well from unprofitable pursuits as from frivolous company and then enters into the spirit of his pursuit is not satisfied with superficial observances, but examines the substance and essence as far as possible of those things which have been the objects of his desire. We all tonight have as much of God as we want. Oh no, not me, brother, right? I want more of God, really? What are you doing about it? You see, there's a lot of... uh, I said it, I'm not trying to be a wet blanket. I'm not trying to become a negative, grumpy old man, but I just, I've been guilty of it. I said it to you on Wednesday night. I've been guilty of all these, all these catchy proclamations at the beginning of a new year and all this great stuff. And I saw a couple, several people, I don't know if they were at the same service or what, but several people on Facebook the other night are quoting the, quoting the verse from Isaiah. It's going to be a new thing. What there's a lot of things about this year I cannot control. Anybody hoping and believing this is your year financially? Anybody hoping and believing this is this is your year physically? Anybody hoping and believing it's your year for a new house, new car, new clothes, better job, more money? I'm not trying to trick you so you can be honest. Quit acting so holy and high and mighty. I, I like a healthy year. I, I like some financial breakthroughs. I like all that, but I can't control that. I have no control and I can profess all I want to and I can claim all I want to. But you know what? If I'm fighting against God, I can confess as long as I want to confess, but it's not going to change. He said through the prophet, you brought it in, but you put it in, you put it in pockets with holes and I blew on it. You can rebuke the devourer, but you rebuke God. It doesn't do any good. I, I, I'm hoping, my flesh is hoping there's financial blessing in 2015. I can't control that. I can't control what happens in my body this year. As of today, I feel pretty good. Feel back doing pretty good and all those other issues. I'm feeling pretty good. I, I got no idea. But I came to this realization, Brother Middleton, there is, there is something I can control this year. I can control the intensity of my passion and my pursuit for God. I can decide that no matter what other circumstances may be, no matter what other good may happen or not happen, no matter what you do or do not do, I can control how much I go after God, how hard I pursue God. And when I get to New Year's Eve, God willing, 2015, 
and we have watch night service. I might not be able to dance and shout about financial blessings. I may not be able to testify about health, but I could get to the end of this year and be able to testify that I have experienced more. I have tasted of more of God than ever before. I can't get there with you. You can't get there with me. You've got to separate yourself. And I've got to separate myself. That's why the psalmist said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. I can come and sit through a church service and point fingers at everybody and everything because church didn't go quite the way I would have liked for it or hoped for it. Or I can come with the hunger and the passion of that woman with the issue of blood and make up my mind. I don't care what you do or what you don't do. I don't care what they sing, whether it's slow, fast, old, new. I'm going to tune everybody else out and I'm going to go after him with everything I've got. I have no intent to make something carnal in any way spiritual, but I was thinking and praying and studying. I just began to think a little bit about, from a natural standpoint, this this room tonight is full of athletes. Young, old, in shape, out of shape. There are, there are, there are this room, in this room right now, there are guys, I, I am, you know, it's, it really is amazing. My dad gives me a hard time every now and then, not as much anymore because I'm past it. <laughs> but it, it really is, I mean, to think that 30s, 35, depending on the sport, you're, you're done, you're old. You're old. I mean, at 43 tonight in this context, I'm young, but you, you put a – there's there's no 43-year-olds on the football field. There's no star 43-year-olds in the NFL competing. You're, you're done. You're finished. But you know what? In this room tonight, there are some 20-year-olds that are athletes that play sports, that like sports. But what distinguishes, unless a guy just has ridiculous freakish natural talent and ability what distinguishes the professional from the average guy is the passion and the hunger with which he pursues his sport One of the greatest, arguably one of the greatest, I don't think the, I'm not even trying to argue that he's the greatest, but one of the greatest basketball players ever to play the game was Larry Bird. In an article 
written by Ron Brown, says, Bird began his routine of hard work as a young high school player in rural Indiana. His, ice, his high school coach, Jim Jones, assuming that's not Jim Jones, the cult leader, attempted to instill a work ethic in each of his players through rigorous practice routines that began at 6 a.m. each day. These two-hour sessions were supplemental to the afternoon and evening team practices. In addition to regular practice, there was at 6 a.m. practice for those that wanted to go a little farther. However, beyond that, it became routine for the young bird to rise early, shoot 500 free throws, and then attend class. You see, even with extra practices, there's still only so far you can go. At some point, you've got to go beyond by yourself. In another article titled Simply One of a Kind, Larry Bird, it says, this, this is really interesting. If you've ever played basketball, if you practice shooting, most of us have done different than this and a lot of ways prefer different than this. But according to the article about Larry Bird, having a shooting partner, according to Bird, would often lead to distractions and thus getting less work put in. Hence, he always practiced alone. Later in his professional career, he might have, ha he might have a ball boy present, but no communication would occur during these sessions in order for the focus to entirely remain on practicing the rigorous hours of training put in made Larry Bird an incredible high school ball player. As a result, he got a scholarship to play at Indiana, but the campus scared him. The school was far too big for his liking, and he didn't have, did not have any money. Hence, he had little to no social life, had to borrow clothes from his roommate since he did not have much of his own. It wasn't an accident that he became the player that he became. It wasn't an accident that he had the abilities that he had. He dedicated himself. He committed himself. I wonder if there's anybody in this place tonight that you've got a hunger to go beyond. If we called prayer meeting this week, there'd be a smaller group, but there'd be a group. But at some point, it's got to be just you and Jesus. Can't be anybody else around. Can't be anybody else involved. You've got to go by yourself. Our public worship must be built on private devotion. Say that again. Our public worship and include in worship, I don't mean just coming and raising our, I'm, I'm talking about ministry and lifestyle and all of those things that are involved in worship. Our public worship must be built on private devotion. 
No mistake why some can walk in and in just a few moments of stepping into the sanctuary or whatever other location you may be meeting at for your congregation and in just a few moments, no matter what anybody else is doing, no matter if the music has started and what's being sung or not being sung, you begin to enter in because you have built in your private time a foundation that what you do in public is not all that you do, but it's only an extension of what you do in private. David was a private worshiper long before he made that triumphal entry with the Ark of the Covenant and made a fool of himself. There had been a lot of days and a lot of hours when David was all by himself and nobody was there to hear or watch what he was doing, but there was praise and worship that was flowing from his heart because he didn't need a church service. He didn't need music. He didn't need a group. There was something inside of him. There was a passion. There was a hunger. There was a desire that all by himself he made up his mind. I'm going to go after you. Realize he was God in the flesh. We understand that, but yet I think we can still learn from him. Matthew chapter 4, the preceding chapter, he has just been baptized by John. We go to chapter 4 of Matthew and verse number 1, and it says this, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or tested of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. I tell you, you will never experience the depth of what God has for you if you avoid the wilderness. The depth of your relationship with God, the depth of your walk with God, the depth of your ministry is not built in a church service. It's not built where we walk in and the sweet presence of God is flowing so easily and and we can so easily tap into it because somebody else is also helping to create that atmosphere. It's not going to be done at Youth Riot Recharge or Youth Camp or Youth Congress. It's not going to be done at any other conference, but there has to come a point in time where you go all by yourself to a place that flesh doesn't want to go. It's not comfortable. It's not convenient. It's not where you want to be. It's not where you choose to go on vacation. But there is something inside of you that is leading you and even driving you that says, I've got to get alone with him because there's something I need and there's something I want that I can't be satisfied simply with what I can get in a crowd of people. But if it means I've got to go someplace by myself and if I've got a hunger and I've got a thirst and nobody else knows what I'm doing and nobody else gives me a pat on the back for fasting and it's just him and me if that's where the spirit is leading if that's where I need to go that's where I want to go oh we we don't want the wilderness we 
don't want the wilderness. We want the cloud of glory that's being poured out. And, and we want the comfortable, convenient place. We, we want the care group. We want the church service where the sweet, wonderful presence of God is flowing and moving. But there's got to come a time where you go all by yourself beyond where the group is, the crowd is, and get along with Him. That was the beginning. It's interesting that to start, he had to go off by himself. But to finish it all off, he also once again had to do the same thing. Matthew chapter 26. Then cometh Jesus with them unto the place called Gethsemane and saith unto the disciples, Sit you here. While I go and pray yonder. They all came to Gethsemane. All the disciples came to Gethsemane. It was a group deal at first. Then he tells them, stay here while I go and pray. And from there, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And he saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. So so these three guys got to see something the rest of them didn't see because as they went a little bit farther, there was something that began to take a hold of Jesus. There was something that began to weigh down on him that the other disciples didn't get the chance to see, but Peter and James and John are able to see it. And Jesus even says to them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Verse 39 says, He went a little farther. and Fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and finding them asleep, he saith unto Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? We can rebuke Peter and the others because of what they did, but the flip side was, I, I don't think it would have mattered. Jesus still had to go someplace by himself. There was some place he still had to go to that it didn't matter who was willing to watch, who was willing to pray. They could only go so far together and he had to go a little bit beyond that. Verse 41, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words. I don't know about you, but I, I, I probably would have temp been tempted when I went back and found them falling asleep the first time to kind of decide, you know what, if you're going to sleep, I think I'll just sleep too. Some of us, we, we branch out and 
we start to embrace that call and we start to embrace that passion that God has put in us, but we still got to go check. And I don't, I'm not, I don't mean this judgmentally or whatever of Jesus. We got to go back and see where everybody, what's everybody still doing. And then we, we still feel it again and we go off again, but then we're drawn again because we, we, we just don't quite know if we're willing to really separate ourselves all the way. I mean, it's okay to be a little bit out in front. It's, it's okay to be a little bit different than the crowd. It, it's okay to be a little more spiritual than most, but, but to really embrace it and go all the way, I just don't know that I'm willing to sell out all the way. But if you're ever going to go all the way at some point you've got to decide you may sleep you may pray whatever you decide to do is up to you but there is an encounter that is drawing me there is a dying out that I must do and I'm not willing to miss this moment that God has ordained in my life you and I will never be able to get to where it is God wants us to go without those moments it's not just once. It's not just one prayer meeting, one experience, one encounter. I die daily. 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 I'm preaching to some folks tonight that compared to your peers, and I mean church peers, compared to your peers, you're doing all right. Compared to your peers, you're, you're pretty holy, you're pretty committed, you're, you're pretty dedicated. Based on what some of the others are doing, you don't watch quite what they watch and listen to what they listen to and wear what they wear. And so you, but, but have you really separated? I, obviously I'm not preaching and I'm not communicating tonight some intent or effort to be better than everybody else, to be aloof from everybody else, but I am preaching to you. At some point you've got to be willing no matter what the cost no matter who you got to leave behind no matter who you have to separate yourself from to realize there's something I want to get caught up in there's someone I want to get caught up with I can't do it staying in the crowd three times three times three times he went a little bit farther there was, I know he, he told them to come. It doesn't imply it was by their choice, but you know what? It does seem to be that usually is the case. You, you got the group, the bigger group, and then you got a group that's willing to go a little farther. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those ones. I don't stay in my seat. I come up to the front. I don't just sit where I'm sitting. I don't just stay where I'm sitting. I, I come up to the front to worship. And do my same deal over and over and over and over. I've gone a little farther, but have I really gone all the way? I've separated a little bit. And I, I've gotten into that inner circle, but how often have I gone beyond that to where it's just him and me? Genesis chapter 32. Jacob. After years now, years, years and years and years, making his return journey, he's about to encounter his brother for the first time. He's 
Scripture says he sent presents, he sent gifts ahead, trying to somehow make peace with Esau. Sent family ahead, and the group, the crowd, went ahead of him. In verse 22 of Genesis 32, it says that he, Jacob, rose up that night. He took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and he sent them over the brook and sent them sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. I think it was last Sunday morning, if I'm not mistaken. Brother Shelton said, we always tell you, you're not alone. Oh, you're not alone. Truth of the matter is, some of you are alone. But you know what? Being alone is not a curse. Being alone is not punishment. Being alone is not an expression of God's anger. First of all, you're never away from Him, truly alone from Him. But there is a point in time where you need to be alone. There comes a point in time where your elder doesn't need to be there. Senior pastor, bishop, mother right, whoever else don't need to be there. But you need to be all by yourself. Because some encounters will only be had. Some encounters will only be had. And there's nobody else around but you and him. And he sent them and was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and has prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed them, him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face in my life are no public wrestling matches. It's in the WWF or WWE where there's a crowd to watch you. And kind of the kind of encounter that Jacob had that produced the transformation in his life that it produced to cause him to go from being a supplanter to being a prince to having power with God. That wrestling match had to be just him and Jesus. Nobody else around him and God alone. Nobody else to see it. There wasn't somebody there with a hand on his back. Come on, Jacob, you can do it. You're almost there, Jacob. Just a little farther, Jacob. No, 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 no. There was something inside of him all by himself. He says, God, I will not let you go. Nobody else to see you and me doing this. There's nobody else to witness my hunger and desire. 
There's nobody else to be impressed by the passion that I have for you. It's just you and me, God. But the passion and the hunger is so intense. It's driving me so much. I will not let you go until you do something. The Bible says we touched the hollow of his thigh. And from that day forward, Jacob walked with a limp. He walked with an identifying mark. People could see the results of the encounter, but they weren't there for the encounter. People could see something happen, but they weren't there to see what happened. Please, you know I love church. I love church. I, I love church. I love coming to church. I, I love church. I, I'd be happy going to church every day. I love church, but I also know church isn't where it all happens. Church is not where my relationship with God, where I wrestle and agonize with Him and am able to get some things in my life put into me and some things changed and transformed. It's not going to be in a church. Thank God for altar calls. I believe in altar calls. I probably will give an altar call tonight and would hope that some would respond. But I also know, and especially in the context of this message tonight, if I give an altar call and you come to the altar, all that can be is the start. All that can be is the initiation because you can't accomplish here at this altar with us what you've got to accomplish by yourself the name Jabok the word Jabok the brook Jabok the root word means to pour out I'm sorry I messed up earlier it wasn't the word separate that means to depopulate the word Jabok is to pour out is to empty figuratively it is to depopulate you got to get in a place where there's no crowd. You got to get in a place where there's no group. You got to get in a place where there's no peers. It's just you all by yourself. And through desire, you have separated yourself. Through, your, through desire, you have set off some boundaries and, and you found a place where you're all by yourself, just you and Jesus. Remember those high school days and remember my senior year. We would get to the end of practice and we would run sprints and we would run suicides and brother brother Humphrey would blow that whistle and we'd run and blow that whistle and we'd run and and we'd we'd, we'd go until he stopped. There was there was a couple of us that year that realized this is this is it. We're done after this. And there were several of us. That once he would stop blowing the whistle and requiring us to do it, we made up our minds we're gonna go a little bit farther. We're gonna go just a little bit longer. <laughs> I hate I hate running just to run. Get on a basketball court, racquetball court, softball field, football field, whatever. I, I'll play all day. But run just for the sake of running, that, that's the most boring thing in the world. But you know what? When you're hungry enough, you make up your mind to do things you wouldn't normally do. When you got enough desire for something, 
You go beyond what you prefer. You go beyond what you desire. You go beyond your comfort zone into a place that you realize, I've got to get outside of the norm. I wonder if there's anybody in this sanctuary tonight that somehow can hear the call of the Spirit of God that is beckoning you to get outside of your comfort zone, to get outside of the realm that you have grown accustomed to of living within a crowd, a group, even if it's just a few but there's something inside of you at the beginning of a new year that says it's not just about some resolutions and doing better at this and doing better at that but the thing that matters the most is more than ever before I need to pursue him I need to go after him I need to hunger and thirst for him and I need to do it in a way unlike I've ever done before and I've got to do it in a way that it doesn't matter whatever everybody else does or does not do but I'm going to I'm going to separate and I'm going to intermingle I'm going to intermeddle myself with those things that are necessary for me to go beyond where I am expect everybody to respond I'm not preaching for everybody to respond tonight but I wonder perhaps surely I haven't missed it tonight and surely there's at least a few folks that there's something inside of your spirit that before I ever started preaching before I ever got into my text you would acknowledge I've already been feeling something I've already had something stirring I've already had a hunger that says I gotta go beyond where I am I've already got something moving I've already been feeling it doesn't matter what everybody else does it doesn't matter what anybody else doesn't do but there's something inside of me that says I've got to seek him I've got to go a little bit farther I've got to send everybody ahead and I've got to have an emptying out I've got to get alone with him I've got to have an encounter with him I'm not preaching just about a touch from him tonight. I'm not just preaching about a touch from him tonight. I'm not just preaching about getting a touch, but I'm preaching about an encounter that will produce a change, a dramatic change that others will be able to see when the encounter is over. I can get a touch and not change. I can get a touch from God and feel better, feel encouraged, feel uplifted. And there's a time and a place for that, I suppose. But tonight, it's not about simply what I can get, some kind of a touch. But it's about the fact that I need an encounter with Him that's going to bring about a transformation in me. No matter who goes or who doesn't go, no matter who responds or doesn't respond, whether my spouse does it, whether my kids do it, whether my parents do it, whether my siblings do it, whether my friends do it, it doesn't matter what matters is. There is a hunger and a desire, and so I'm going to separate myself so that I can encounter God in a way like never before.
more than just putting in a couple of services a week, more than just a couple of services in a care group, more than just a couple of services, a care group or some other activity. It's about me finding some time where I encounter him, where I connect with him, where I get a hold of him all by myself and don't let go until something happens. Realize we have those times in which we need others to help us break through. We need others to pray with us. We need others to get us over the hump that we're battling. I understand there are those times. I understand there are those seasons. And if that's you tonight, that's fine. You can just wait. And I mean that sincerely. But I'm preaching to those tonight who it's not about somebody else helping. And it's not about where somebody else can take you. But it's about where you've got to go all by yourself. Scripture says Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. But at the end of it, it says he came out of it full of the Spirit. He was led there by the Spirit, but he came out of there full of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to go beyond simply being led. I want to be full. I want to be governed by. I want to be controlled by. Come on, folks. I realize it's a little bit different context. I acknowledge that, but Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift. There's some of you that need to stir up some old hungers. I'm preaching to some of you tonight. Maybe you haven't fit everything I'm saying, but, but there's a few of you I feel a burden for right now because you've got some hunger that used to be there. You've got some hunger that used to be there, but it's just not what it used to be. And the cares of this life and the things of this world have caused you to become less hungry and less passionate about Him than, he, than you used to be. Why don't you stir up that hunger tonight? I want more than a religious experience, God. I want more than just an experience at a church service. I want more than just an experience at a prayer meeting where I'm gathered with other people. I want more, God. I want to go beyond that where it's just you and me. That it doesn't matter what everybody else does or does not do. But it's all about me expressing to you my hunger, my passion, my desire. I don't want status quo. I don't want to just find some level of Christian mediocrity. That's enough to be saved. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that you want to go beyond just simply what it takes to be saved. There's a hunger and a desire. It's not just about sin. But you want to know, God, what are the weights in my life? What are the things that may be holding me back or holding me down? Because I don't want to just deal with the sin. But I want to lay aside every weight. That does so easily beset me. 
God, don't let me just look for a level that's comfortable. Don't let me just find a place that's convenient. Don't let me just settle for that place that it's comfortable to my flesh. But God, let the hunger and the desire of my spirit push me beyond. Let it push me beyond my comfort zone. Let it push me beyond the complacency that I've found until I encounter you like Jacob encountered you. Until I experience you in a way like Jacob experienced you. That there is a transformation. One thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after. One thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I don't want to just get what everybody else has. I don't want to settle for what the crowd settles for. But I want a hunger and a desire that will drive me beyond. I want the kind of hunger that I'm willing to be alone. I'm willing to be alone. I'm willing to be alone if that's where I've got to be to get what I really want. I'm willing to separate from the crowd. I'm, I'm willing to separate from friends. I'm willing to find some seasons of time where I've got to be all by myself. And I am passionately pursuing you. Oh, God. Stir up some hungry people in this sanctuary tonight. Stir up some hungry souls in this place tonight. Awaken tonight, God. Awaken tonight a hunger. A fresh hunger, a fresh passion to go after you. To pursue you, God, no matter the cost. To pursue you no matter the cost, God. Oh, God, stir us. Stir us to pursue more than just a touch. Stir us to pursue more than just a touch from you, but to pursue the kind of, the kind of encounter with you that will produce a lasting change in our lives. <laughs> Yala mundo robo ye yala bosatalaba. Ikaramando lobo se ye yala la bahai.
God, I'm going to lay aside the weights. I want to lay aside the weights. I want to lay aside the weights, everything that's holding me down, everything that's slowing me down. I may be functioning with it, but I'm not functioning in the most effective way that I can with the weights that I'm carrying. So help me to lay aside whatever the weights are in my life. God, give me ears to hear your voice, to hear what you would say to me about me, God, that are my weights. Not worrying about what somebody else's weights are. Not worrying about what somebody else needs to deal with but listening to that still, small voice. In the name of Jesus. Some of you need to cross Jabok tonight. Some of you need to cross Jabok tonight. You need to empty out of some things. You need to empty out of some things. Some of you need to pour some things out. Some of you need to get rid of some things you've been carrying. Some of you need to get rid of some things that have been taking up space in your life. God, anything that I'm allowing to take up room that belongs to you. God, anything that's occupying space that ought to be occupied by you, I want to empty it out, God. I want to empty it out, God. I want to be free of it so that it all is able to be filled by you. Not just so that I can be a container to hold it, but that I can be a conduit for you to flow through. Because I can't impact others until I am first impacted by you. I can't help somebody else, God, until I've encountered you and I've been transformed. So God, I want to be emptied out so that you can fill me up. So that you are able to flow through me, Lord. That others might encounter you as well, God. Ela mando robo ye ala baki ando lobo hoseti ala bahai. Si la mundo reye ala la boche ala la boko rianda la bahai. Ye ala moronde ye ala la bosi aramanda la bahai. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus.
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Andore Yesu tala mandi araboko yandala bahai. Yelala basi aramonde ye alala boko shei. Rimai alala bosanda rabaki ye alala bosatala bahai. Ye alamori andala bosatala In the name of Jesus. 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 Ayala la boko shatala la bahaya. Ayala la boko reye ayala la bosatala la bahaya. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Ilala basata ramandolobu satala bahai. Ayala la boko reye yala la mosatana. Ayala la mondo reye ki yala la bosatala la bahai. Ayala boko reye ti yala la basatana. Andalo boko reye yala la boshei. Maronde ye ki ala moreti ye aramando lolo bosatata. Ikaramanda ye araboko sieti ye ala la basatana. Ayala la mondo roboko shatala bahai. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. The Calaboreti, a lobo Sandarabai, El Alamoronde Eki, a lot of Bushi, a lot of Morindi Ekayato Robo Satalabai, El Alamashata Rabaki, a lot Hallelujah. 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 I know some are praying, and I don't want to disturb those that are praying. If you're not praying and you're willing to, 
you feel this way, would you join me? More of you. I want more of you. I've had much, but what I need is more of you. Of things I've had my fill, but yet I hunger still, empty and bare. Lord, hear my prayer for more of you, more of you. I want more of you. I've had much, but what I need is more of you. Of things I've had my fill, but yet. I hunger still, empty and bare. Lord, hear my prayer for more of you, more of you. I want more of I've had much, but what I need is more of you. Of things I had my fill, but yet I hunger still. Empty and bare, Lord, hear my prayer for more of you, more of you. I want more of you. I've had much. But what I need is more of you. Of things I've had my fill. But yet I hunger still. Empty and bare. Lord, hear my prayer for more of you, more of you. I want more of you. I've had much, but what I need is more of you. Of things I've had my fill. 
But yet I hunger still, empty and bare. Lord, hear my prayer for more of you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to, before I put the mic down and finish my part, I want to encourage you. I, I really was back and forth with maybe having some kind of papers or something that you could fill out and whatever, but I didn't really feel totally led to do that. I, I want to encourage you and challenge you, whether you write it down someplace, you just simply verbalize it to God. I want to challenge you to make some commitments to God over the next couple of days and weeks of some things that you are going to personally do, some ways in which you are personally going to separate yourself, set yourself apart, to spend some of that time with Him that you need to spend just you and Him so that you can experience some of those things that He has and new dimensions, whatever it is He's trying to take you to. However you choose to do it, whatever means, again, if you just simply tell him. Some of you might be helpful if you wrote it down somewhere, put it on your iPad, put it on your phone, or whatever. But I'm encouraging you in some way to make some of your own personal commitments to how you are going to separate yourself and spend some time Pursuing God for yourself. Praise God. Those that are praying are welcome to continue to pray. Those of you that are finished, ready to go, you're welcome to do so. God bless you.